0: Welcome to the MILF BOD podcast. Mindful, intuitive, lifestyle, fitness. An all-encompassing wellness resource for women featuring some of the most successful, influential mothers and experts out there. I'm your host, Cherokee Luker, mother, model, fitness trainer, and wellness enthusiast. Join me as we dive into all things MILF. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the show. Today's guest is someone very near and dear to my heart. She was my doula during my pregnancy and my birth and now has become a really great friend. Rebecca Richter is obviously a doula here in L.A., and she has lots to share about her journey on becoming a doula, and we dive into all things wellness with her. So on that note, please welcome the amazing and incredibly magnetic human Rebecca Richter to the show. Enjoy, everybody. Hi, Rebecca. Hi, Cherokee. (laughs) Can you please just introduce yourself to the audience and tell us a little bit about yourself? Of course. I'm Rebecca Richter. I live in Los Angeles. I have the pleasure of being Cherokee's friend, but also her doula. Which was a year and fifteen months ago. Fifteen months ago. So yeah, I'm a doula. I'm in LA, and I have a husband and a stepson and a dog named Steve. Oh my god, <laughs> I love Steve. I wish he was here right now. So yeah, Rebecca and I met about two years ago now, almost. Yeah. yeah. And originally, she wasn't supposed to be my doula. I had hired Carson Meyer as my doula and you and Carson were working together as a team at the time. We were. I can't really remember what happened, but Carson just kind of introduced me to you and she asked, you know, I'm kind of busy this month, so would you be comfortable meeting Rebecca and would you be comfortable with having her be present at the birth if I'm not able to make it? And I was like, yeah, totally. Totally. Carson's amazing. She has been a doula in LA now for, you know, a little longer than I have. So she gets really, really busy. And Mm -hmm. and probably, what was it? About two years ago, she just asked if, you know, we wanted to work together. That way, when people came to her and she couldn't take them or wanted to have them as a doula client, but couldn't really commit to the birthing part of it, then we would go in on those births together I would go to the prenatals, and then I would be the one showing up for the birth. It was such a blessing in disguise because I would lucked out; like I got both of you guys present during all of my prenatal visits. Also, you guys, I say this in my first episode because I talk about you, obviously, because I talk about (laughs) my story. But (laughs) the honor, (laughs) Rebecca lives literally three minutes away from me. Yeah, so it was perfect; like so meant to be. It really was. So we had our first kind of consultation, I guess, over FaceTime. And it was just instant. I was like, oh, yeah, I love this person so much. Done. Same for me, too. Yeah. I was like, yes. And girl. then we figured out that we lived three minutes away from each other. And so we had our first kind of date on a walk. Yeah. When I was pretty pregnant, you were pretty pregnant. Yeah. And I like didn't want to admit it at the time, but I was struggling, honestly, on that walk. We we walked pretty far. We did walk far. And also, first meeting, there's a lot to cover. Yeah. Like, you could say metaphorically, there's a lot of ground to cover, but also we covered a lot of ground on our (laughs) face. Literally and metaphorically. That's that's very true. (laughs) Yes. So, okay. Can you just go back a little bit and tell us about where you grew up, where you went to school, how you became interested in this work in the first place, and Also, can you actually, as like a disclaimer for anybody who doesn't know what a doula is, can you explain what a doula is? Of course. It's hard to make it concise. But if you were to look up the definition of what a doula is, Mm -hmm. it is physical and emotional support during childbirth. Sometimes it's after. So there's postpartum doulas. Mm -hmm. I'm specifically a childbirth doula. So for me, what that looks like is helping women kind of step into their power, I'm there as a resource for them to figure out what they want if they don't know what they want and support them with anything unbiased. I would say, too, that most doulas work Mm evidence-based. So, you know, if you have a question about an option during your, you know, labor or, you know, post-delivery, we will give you all of the data and all the information. You make your decision, and then I'm there to help support you with that decision and make sure it's followed through to the best that we can. Yeah, that's and, such a good explanation. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of it, people are like, oh, you know, it's it's a lot about making birth plans. And that's true. But a lot of the times it's just understanding what happens and especially what happens depending on where you're giving birth. Yes. And there's multiple options. And maybe for a first time mom, they don't know that they have all these options. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's just putting all the evidence out there and helping them figure out what they want to do. And sometimes that's a journey and sometimes they know right away. Yeah. And you do such a good job at that. Well, thank you. Yeah. Because originally I was supposed to give birth in the hospital at Cedars. Yes, you were. So... I was just so happy that I knew that I was going to have you there to kind of communicate all of my needs to my doctor because I had no idea what the fuck to say to him. (laughs) But then eventually I decided to do a home birth. So yeah, tell us about where you studied to become a doula and like how you even became interested in being a doula in the first place. Yes, I have to take it way back. Yeah, I love this. I went to college in Minnesota and at that point in time, you know, I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. I knew that I liked people and I, you know, thought that if I got a business degree, a marketing degree, then I'm like, okay, well, if I just get a degree, I can figure out what I want to do next. Yeah. And with that, I graduated and that was 2010. And simultaneously after I graduated, I landed my, you know, at that point in time, dream job working uh, for a big global company in Los Angeles. And I was like, amazing, like getting out of here. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Not that I wanted to leave because I absolutely love, love, love Minnesota and Minneapolis. While that was happening, my sister became pregnant Mm -hmm. and my sister and I, Shout out, Tara, if you're listening to this. I know that if you were here, you'd be saying the same thing as I am. So <laughs> come on, Tara. We, <laughs> we, we hadn't had like the best relationship growing up. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I think it's just like a classic sister, like rivalry. We both were really aggressive in sports. I think that just kind of made our relationship as young kids and also young adults a little, you know, competitive and rocky. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she gets pregnant and it was an unplanned pregnancy. Yeah. And she didn't, you know, have the support that I envisioned somebody to have while they were going through pregnancy and going through childbirth. Although we weren't close, I just kind of looked around and I was like, she can't do this alone. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I kind of put the ego aside. And I went and I took a couple classes and then I took her to a couple classes and then, you know, I helped her through her childbirth and, you know, it was right there when my nephew came out. And (sighs) it was an incredible experience, not only for what it did for, you know, me and my sister's relationship, but also just like the power that is behind childbirth. At that time, I didn't know what a doula was. I don't know if I felt like it was a calling, but it definitely hit something inside me that was like, this is what I should be doing. Yeah, it definitely sparked a passion. It sparked. Mind you, I had just graduated with just boatloads of student debt. Mm -hmm. I just got a business degree and I was moving out to L.A. Mm -hmm. and also had never heard of what a doula is. Yeah, Didn't even know that was a possibility of something to do. Yeah, I, I honestly didn't either. Right? No. <laughs> I, sometimes my husband jokes because whenever we go out and someone's like, oh, what do you do? I always explain, I support women through pregnancy and childbirth. And Evan's like, just tell him you're a doula. And I'm like, well, you know, like more than 50 percent of the time, you know, especially if I'm talking to men and his colleagues that not a lot of people know what a doula is. It's just easier to give the description rather than the title. (laughs) So, you know, I moved out to L.A. and I worked, you know, for almost a decade and I worked at that company in Minneapolis, too. So altogether I was there for a long time. But um, I just, you know, started crying every day that I drove to work. I just knew that it wasn't what I was supposed to be doing. And I did a little bit of, you know, soul searching backwards. And I kind of like looked into the past and tied all these things together. And at the same time, I did go to a March of Dimes conference where, you know, it was a little bit more of like a political conversation of what's happening with childbirth in America. Mm-hmm. And it was just a volcanic eruption. Oh, I'm sure. And it was just like. I'm sure that was just the cherry <laughs> on top. It was the cherry. I was like, I know exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. And I looked back and I was like, this isn't new. I've wanted to do this. Yeah. I didn't know that this was an option. There was a lot of fear in leaving my corporate job. And... Uh, You know, I do have to credit Evan, my husband, with a little bit because he was seeing how miserable I was and Mm -hmm. he was like, you know what? You need to stop and you need to just follow your passion. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about like the money that you're missing out on. We'll figure it out and I got you. Go do your thing. Men take notes. I know, right? (laughs) So, Love you, Evan. I love you, Evan. Um, You know, I'm an independent person, so sometimes it's hard to let it come out of my mouth that his support did a lot for me, but it did. And so once that happened, it was boom, (gasps) job quit. You know, I I did study at, and study is a very, very loose term for Mm -hmm. getting your certification to become a doula. It's, you know, a very few amount of hours. And looking back, it's kind of funny because I, you know, I had attended one birth before that and then did this training. And, you know, you come out of it and you're like, what the heck? Like I learned some things, but but not really. I don't know what I'm supposed to do now, you know, and then it just comes with experience. And I'm, I'm very thankful that, you know, the first few births that I had were people that knew who I was as a person Mm -hmm. and uh, trusted me that, you know, I would support them in the way that I could. And even though I wasn't, you know, I hadn't attended, you know, a hundred births or so, I still had their trust. And it was a very open and honest relationship with those first few births. And then You know, after that, it was just, you know, history. That's such a beautiful story. I love it. It's so inspiring. And this podcast is a lot about intuition. And I feel like you being a doula, I think it just comes so naturally to you. Um, And I think your intuition just kicks in just like when you're giving birth. It's the same exact thing. Or when you're mothering your first child, like we as women, we just we just know what to do. We do. And it's there for a reason. What year was that? Was it three years ago now? Okay. So you support women if they're doing either a home birth or a hospital birth, or sometimes women can give birth in birthing centers. Like what are the variety of options that you see? I would say that typically the most births that I work with, mm-hmm. it's between hospital and home. Yeah, You know, birth centers are a great option. Mm-hmm. But there's not a lot of them around us. Yeah. You know, there's one in the South Bay. There's one up in Santa Clarita. Mm -hmm. And they're great options, but there's not a ton of options for birthing centers, you know, just in Los Angeles in general. Yeah. So typically I'll just do, you know, home and hospital and it's the same work, but it's also very, very different work. Yeah. Because every single birth is so different. Very different. Do you have an experience that sticks out in your head as like the most memorable birth? I guess, like, the most memorable birth would probably be two different births I've experienced. One is, obviously, my nephew and my sister. Mm -hmm. The other one was watching a cow be born. Oh. Which is wild. And I was in high school. You know, you were not supposed to get close. And it was on my friend's farm. Mm -hmm. It was just kind of beautiful. And I I just stared. And I could not look away. And it was very, very peaceful. There were some grunts. I think they took that cow and put it in her own barn. Mm-hmm. Is a female cow called a cow? Yeah. Yeah. A man's a bull, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did to think about that for a second. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. yes. So uh, I still remember it vividly and also pull a lot from that too when thinking about what women need in labor now because… That's so interesting yeah. because… A lot of people ask me, like, can you describe the feeling that you had when you gave birth? And it's like, honestly, no. You just drop into a totally different being. And it's like you turn into an animal almost. Yes. And I think I remember you guys telling me in some of my prenatal visits, you guys were warning me like you will be making sounds like an animal. (laughs) And I just remember that so vividly. And like, I mean, I was excited to experience that. But it's so true. Like watching an animal be born, is probably the most beautiful thing, especially a cow. Wild like baby beautiful. cows are uh. the cute. I mean, calves, right? That's <laughs> there the, we go. That's the correct that's term. The correct term. <laughs> um, they are so freaking cute. So oh cute. my god! Yeah. But so. you're right, and if you remember too, like, in one of your prenatals, we talked about Artemis and Apollo. Yes, I loved that. Can you tell the audience a little bit about that? This is credited to Britta Bushnell, who has her PhD in. Greek mythology, who's Mm. also a childbirth educator, a doula. She's just really, really connected, you know, spiritually to birth through storytelling and metaphoric storytelling. And she explains that, you know, there's Artemis and Apollo who are, you know, counterparts in Greek mythology. And Artemis is kind of, you know, this more feminine energy. Apollo is, you know, this more masculine side. And, you know, Apollo is much more ruled by time and construct and these things that are markers for helping us understand what's happening. And if you look at the other side where Artemis is, she's all intuition and she's Mm -hmm. going in. There is no time. There is no construct. Lots of feelings. And we talk about when you're going into labor, how these can kind of coexist, but eventually you need to really dig in and be deep with your Artemisian self. Oh, it's so true. You need to be be able to let go to go there. Yeah. And one thing that, you know, you asked me really memorable births, and, you know, I, i learned so much from so many different births. Yeah. I do have to say that your birth specifically, I have never seen someone go so deep. Oh, my God. I had my eyes closed. The entire eyes. time. It was crazy. Your eyes were… I could not open was, them. And it was beautiful. Yeah. It was beautiful. Thank you. Of course. <laughs> I mean, eventually… I paid her, I paid her like, <laughs> uh, five bucks under the table, you guys, to say that. So. <laughs> I'm dead serious. Thank I am, you. I am dead serious. And, you know, that was such a learning moment for me, too, because sometimes there's women who will fight it for a little bit you know, one day maybe I'll go into labor and I might fight it thinking that I'm being open, but it's really, really a process to eventually just let go. Yeah. And I think that lesson that you guys gave me is really what stuck with me. I remember loving that session that we had Yeah, because it's so true. Like when you think about birth, it's so much about time. And it's like, when you're going into labor, it's so much about, okay, you're nine centimeters dilated. It's all about these numbers. And it starts at the beginning. It starts with them telling you when you're due. Exactly. And this whole time we're waiting for this due date. Yeah. It's usually never accurate. And I did get a little bit caught up in that Apollo way of thinking like towards the end, because I was getting pretty impatient and I was like, okay, fuck, my due date is here. Where is he? Yeah, But then I just remembered to kind of just give in and like drop into that Artemis. Of course. And just be like, okay, I need to surrender. And he's gonna come when he's ready. I did all the things that I could try and do, but... Oh, yes, you did. Yeah, (laughs) I remember. I know. But it was perfect the way that it happened. And what a lesson for life too. It's so true. It's hard though to practice that. But yeah, you can apply it to every area of your life. So, do you hope to have kids one day? I do. I cannot wait and at the same time I can wait. It's like this yeah, constant, I've, you know, I it's, understand. it's this constant wanting it and then being okay and then not wanting it. It's a crazy cycle. I think one thing that's wild that's not talked about enough is like we spend so much of our lives trying to not be pregnant. I know. It's wild. I know. (laughs) It's so true. I'm very open. I'll talk about anything. And, and, you know, we haven't been like, quote unquote, trying that long, right? Yeah. But the fact that it hasn't accidentally happened when we're not on birth control or, you know, it it, it just blows my mind. I know. It's crazy. So you're, you're currently not on birth control. I am not on birth control. Okay. And I'm not actively trying to not... You know, like, because I, yeah. I track my ovulation mm-hmm. and I know when I'm ovulating. And, you know, there's been times where I've been a little careful, like, let's not right now if there's something happening the next month or, you know, in the months ahead. But on other times, I'm very open minded to it. Again, my husband travels quite frequently. So I know Mm -hmm. it's a numbers game, Yeah, (laughs) but it's, you know, it's, it'll happen when it happens. And yeah, you got plenty of time. There's no rush. I got time. And also I just feel so good and casual about it, which is the best way to be about it because it's like, you're not putting all of this stress on it. And I feel like that's when things just organically happen. But no, it is strange. I feel like I can imagine myself getting stressed out about it in like six months. It's like a society thing being like, if you're trying for so long, and again, we're like casually trying, but it's annoying to me that somebody else made that benchmark. Yep, Apollo. And then Yes. <laughs> and now I'm just like, oh, well, I don't care right now, but am I going to care? Well, I mean, it's good that you kind of have that thought in your mind. So you're kind of able to like mentally prepare for it if it ends up going there, you know? Yeah. So when you do have a kid, yes. eventually. yes. Will you have a doula? Absolutely. And do you know who your doula will be or not yet? Yes. So luckily, two of my favorite human beings Mm -hmm. who happen to be your midwives. Yes. I have this unwavering love, respect, and comfort with them. I know. They're amazing. They're amazing. And both of them, you know, have done doula work, even though they're both midwives. Right. Right. And so my dream Mm -hmm. is to have a combination situation of both of them. That's perfect. Yes. For everybody who's listening who doesn't typically know how it works when you're in labor and you have a doula and you have a midwife, this is, you know, if you're at home, right? So the doula will show up beforehand, and then the doula kind of, you know, listens and hears and sees the signs that it's ready to call the midwife. And then the midwife comes over. And a lot of times the midwife is there, you know, transition and pushing and you know does all the aftercare with baby and mom and you know it's not as much of the laboring part where if i had it my way i would have both of them there <laughs> yes when i needed them right i would ignore my labor as long as possible and then call them both and be like get over both here. of you guys get yeah. over here right now yeah and i would also you know hope some dueling aspect from them too, which both of them have those skills as well, right? So that is the ultimate dream. So, just for reference, we're referring to my midwife Abby and her amazing assistant. I think that's what she refers to her right yeah. as her assistant. Yeah, or so kind of like Abby is a midwife and Johanna. Is- Johanna is a midwife by experience and spirit. She's incredible. Yeah. I don't know if she has her license right now as a yeah, as a know. midwife, but she was going through school for it. She's almost done. But at the end of the day, like that piece of paper doesn't make her any more no. qualified than she already is. Absolutely. not. So they're both midwives in my book. So, yeah. And so they were both present at my birth along with Rebecca. And Abby also had another like, She was training. She was more of an assistant in Mm -hmm. terms of the medical side of things. Yeah. She was great. So Evan has a child, and I just wanted to ask you what it's like being a stepmom. First of all, I knew Evan had a son, and I knew immediately that I was going to marry him. Evan, not a son. (laughs) It's interesting because I went from like a really independent human being Mm -hmm. to dating somebody who I immediately knew that I was marrying. Didn't you tell me that you like wrote out this list? Yes. Before you met Evan and he literally like checked all the boxes. Two days later, yeah, I met him. It was pretty wild. That's crazy. Then I told him, I was like, one day I'm going to give you a piece of paper and your mind is going to be blown. Did you give it to him? And I gave it to him on the morning of our wedding. Oh my God. And then he had, like, an incredible speech. You know, he's a funny guy who's somewhat cynical. And Mm -hmm. he's like, I don't believe in fate. And he's like, but I do believe in fate because of (sighs) Rebecca and everything. And went into, like, the letter. And it was, like, it was adorable. Oh, my gosh. So this is everyone's sign. (laughs) (laughs) Write it down. Write it down (laughs) and manifest that shit. Because it works. Yes. Because Evan is such a gem. You guys are so perfect for each other. I scored. And I also scored a little bonus stepson stepson yeah knowing you're becoming a stepmom because you know that you're going to end up with that person has a ton of different emotions there's like a little bit of fear because i'm sure although i babysat like you know it's a little less of a commitment (laughs) to babysit than it is to have you know evan's son in the house but he's fantastic and you know there's so many benefits to it one is i feel like you know, I got to see Evan as a father before I had that experience with him. Oh, yeah, yeah. I didn't even think about that. And that was really, really nice and refreshing. Yeah. Because I was like, wow, he's great. They're great. They have a great relationship. Aww. It was almost like if I fast forward in my mind a few years, I can totally see like yeah. this is going to be fantastic. Yeah, he's already a great dad. Great dad. And for sure. It's such a turn on seeing such a, a guy on. be a good dad. Right? Oh, the best. It is. And then, you know, when it comes to Taylor, it's it's fun because he's such like an easygoing, great kid. Yeah. And I think the one thing that like sometimes is hard is it started when he was seven. All of a sudden I'm living with a seven year old. It's like a turn on and turn off in your head of like how you speak.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, which my is gosh.
0: wild. Right. So like I was a pretty independent person. And, you know, going from that to being with someone with a child, it was like an immediate thought in my head of everything I'm saying is being digested by a young, impressionable mind. Yeah, and especially that at that was, age, too. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And that was pretty intense. But, you know, as, as the years went on and we not only got more comfortable with each other, we had our own relationship. And, yeah. and then it's less, you know, me- Speaking with like a really intense filter, it's more so understanding and learning how to communicate with him. Yeah. I mean, I love it. For anybody out there that's scared to date anybody with kids, it's a blessing. Yeah, for sure. Such a blessing. I know. I feel like I've heard so much about him. I've just never met him, but I feel like I kind of know him just from hearing about him. And he seems like such a cool little man. And it's hilarious because him and Evan are so similar. Really? That it's basically like I live with two Evans. Evans. It's like big Evan and mini Evan. Oh my gosh. It is just, it's always entertaining. I bet. So I want to move into more of like the wellness aspect of things. I want to touch base on the acronym MILF. Like what do you do to stay mindful? First, we'll touch that. So I think I have been blessed with Working at being mindful, but not having to put a lot of work into it to be mindful. Hmm. If that That makes makes sense. sense. yeah. I can meditate. I can do yoga. But really, really what makes me really hone in Mm -hmm. and, you know, be very mindful of everything I'm doing is having a routine and staying true to myself. You know, there's parts of my day that are very unselfish. The work I do you know, how I communicate with friends. Yeah. But other than that, I need to work out. Yep. And I need to go on a long walk. Yes. <laughs> I understand you. <laughs> yes. One thousand percent. And on top of that, I need to go to bed early. Oh, interesting. Like how early? Like I'm going to bed at like 930. PM. Oh, that's awesome. And yes. then how how early do you wake up? Around 530. Wow. I know. That's impressive. I know. But that's so good for you, though. It's, oh, man. And you know what? I didn't even try to do that. That's yeah. literally just how my body operates. That's good that you just, you know. I wake up in the morning. I take my sweet ass time getting yeah. out of bed. Yep. And then I do the things that I need to do. I'll work out. I'll work. Go on a very long walk. Then play mm-hmm. with my dog. Oh when I'm going on a walk, I usually have an intention of what I'm trying to focus on. Oh, I like that. And I'll listen to podcasts Mm -hmm. based on that. Oh, sometimes it's entertaining. Sometimes it's helpful. Mm -hmm. If I'm in a little bit of a rut, Mm -hmm. I'll listen to like, you know, Huberman Lab. Yeah. And uh, listen to things that are, you know, inspiring in that kind of way.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: If I'm, you know, just Bored and want to be entertained. Yeah, I'll listen to some messed up stuff, <laughs> some crime. Who <laughs> yeah. knows? We'll go there. And then you know, if there's times where you know I just came out of being in a maybe you know mediocre to bad spot, and I'm trying to get up, I will not listen to anything negative. Yeah, one thousand. I will only listen to things, whether it's like a book mm-hmm. or anything else that's very you know, happy and pleasant mm-hmm. because I don't want my thoughts infiltrated with, you know, yeah. more negative things. Very interesting process of what I pick on my, on my walk for my podcast. That's yeah. very mindful to set an intention before you go on your walk and then base whatever you're consuming on that. I love that. Definitely. And like sometimes I can go on a walk and not listen to anything, mm-hmm. but I like to have my headphones on and not hear anybody else. Yeah. I'm the same way. So when it comes to your diet, what exactly do you do? Like, do you do intuitive eating? Do you, I know you do some cleanses sometimes. I do. Yeah. So yeah. Tell us about what it looks like for you. I had a very interesting stomach, gut, and gallbladder issue happened about nine years ago. Very strange. Where now I do not have a gallbladder and I'm not supposed to eat a lot of things. And it doesn't affect me, but it did back then. Yeah, I'm sure. I think what it has done was messed up my, you know, my microbiome a little bit. Mm -hmm. And forever, I thought that I like could not eat yeast and couldn't eat these things. And I would eat them and I would get so tired. And so then I just would kind of cut, for lack of a better term, gluten out of my life. And it was like three years ago, I found out that I had a bacterial infection in my stomach. Oh my gosh. I know. And I did a cleanse for three months. Three months? Three months. What did the cleanse consist of? You couldn't have anything that helped the bacteria grow. So there was no alcohol, no yeast, no sugar, really no fruit. It was basically just vegetables and meat. That's intense. It was intense, but... I think I was only supposed to do it for 30 days, but my body felt absolutely incredible after those 30 days that I was almost scared to stop doing it. Oh my gosh, I bet. It was intoxicating. Wow. Especially going from, you know, I felt like my gut ruled my life for so long. And it was the first time that I didn't wake up with stomach aches. I didn't fall asleep in the middle of the day. I could keep my eyes open. So these cleanses that I do every once in a while, like I just did the Saqqara detox, which was great. Did you like it? I loved it. I'm goal-oriented, but, you know, yes, that first cleanse was quite long, but it just had so many positive benefits from it. I love and also, hearing that. Yeah, and when I came out of it, I could eat gluten. I could eat anything, and it wasn't a problem, which was yeah. weird. So was it like a—did you just do a slow transition into a Slow your- transition. Okay, back. yeah. But, like, daily, I eat very clean. Yeah. Very, very clean. And it's funny going from— being like a young 20-year-old in LA mm-hmm. and drinking every single day. Yeah. Sometimes I felt like Homer Simpson. I'd like go to work. <laughs> <Homer>. <laughs> I love that. I was like go to work and come home and crack a beer. Like I was like work was so stressful and I would crack a beer instead <laughs> of oh my couch. Oh my God. And uh, it's funny to go from that to like all of a sudden everything I consume affects me. Yeah. And uh, I choose not to drink and it's just like all of a sudden one day you wake up and you're like all of this is gross yeah I only want to eat the cleanest things possible your body just ends up rejecting it once you once you start going clean it's like you don't want to go back I used to eat healthy and then like every once in a while I would be like wow I want a McDonald's burger Mm-hmm. Oh, because McDonald's is right next yes. door. Is that what sparked yes. the thought? Yeah, You know, that lasted for probably like three years because, you know, living in LA, there, you have access to amazing healthy food. Yeah. So although I would like shop at Erwan, I was mm-hmm. still coming home and drinking my beer and <laughs> You were still pulling the Homer Simpson. <laughs> <laughs> and like occasionally every once in a while, you're like, wow, McDonald's, that sounds great. And yeah. I get it like once or twice a year. Mm-hmm. I also think it's healthy to, like, not restrict yourself intensely from certain things and certain cravings. Like, yeah, girl, get your food. Do whatever you want to make you happy in that moment. And, you know, everything in moderation. Yeah, I agree. And I looked at that McDonald's sign, and it was the first time that I was like, ew. Yeah. And I was like, I haven't had it in probably now three years— And I just like feel repulsed by it. And it's probably just because I've like cleansed my body so intensely. Yeah. I just feel like once you get, you know, your body, it's like a well-oiled machine. You have more of a reason to not fuck it up. Yeah. 100%. My kind of way of doing things is like during the week, I'll eat really clean. And then on the weekends, I'll let myself indulge a little bit. Smart. So when you said that you're not drinking, does that mean like, are you not drinking ever? I drink like occasionally. Cause I've had wine with you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'll okay. drink occasionally, but I'm not like. But you're not I'm 100% not sober. Definitely or- not 100% sober. Okay. But like it's different yeah. now. You're not a- <laughs> Homer Simpson. I'm not a- Homer <laughs> Simpson. It's usually drinking for a purpose, right? Like right. having a glass of wine because it's somebody's birthday. Oh, okay. Or so, like, like a special occasion. Or, yes. Okay. And sometimes those special occasions happen once a week, right? Right. So, it's like I'm not completely dry. Mm-hmm. I'm just much more intentional with the way that I consume alcohol. And the reason why is because, you know, I've always gone to bed early, but like sleep is so important to me. Yeah. And I have an aura ring and I can have like even a full glass of wine. Mm-hmm. It affects my sleep. Yeah. Same with me too. Do I you like do. the aura ring? I do. I mean, I think there are major benefits. I do think that the only downside is that, like, maybe it consumes too many of my thoughts. <laughs> it's for real. Really? Yeah. <gasps> Crazy. It's healthier than being addicted to social media. Or, it has know? changed my life so much, and I am a healthier person because of it. That's amazing. However, maybe I've become a, a little, little obsessive. <laughs> obsessive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know. I don't understand how some people function on like four hours of sleep or five hours of can't. sleep. And they're like, okay, I'm good. I am absolutely like, cannot. I can't either. But the alcohol thing. Oh yeah. is so, all, is all because of the aura ring. Yeah. So the aura ring tracks your REM sleep. It and, does. And say you had a glass of wine. Yeah. What does it, it tell is, you? So it gives you a percentage and the time of how much of your sleep is either REM or deep. Mm-hmm. There's REM deep and then there's light. And there's, you know, a, a healthy equation. I think it's 20% deep, 20% REM, and then the rest can be light sleep. Hmm. However, if I have a glass of wine, that, like, gets cut in half. So it's like I'm, wow. I'm hitting, like, 10% REM, 10% deep. The other crazy thing, mm-hmm. which is wild, because I sleep with my phone plugged in, and it's about four feet from my head. Yeah. I put it on Do Not Disturb, and I noticed that I moved my phone like four more feet away from my head and my REM and my deep double. Wow. That's amazing. I'm a little too obsessed with my sleep. No, I would be too if it— Okay, I need to get one. Yeah. Immediately. I just know what you're getting into. Oh, my God. <laughs> it just owns my life. Okay. sad. So— Now I want to talk about a little bit about your lifestyle, like non-negotiables. Like what are some beauty tips that you have for us or anything that you do on like a day-to-day basis that you think helps make you a better you? I am a firm believer in less better things. Like less things, but better things. Oh, yeah. Like quality over quantity. Quality over quantity. Yes. And... I feel like I live that through a lot of things. Mm -hmm. Something that I really take pride in is the way that I wear my clothes. It's a very strange thing. I love your style. It feels like such an expression to me. It is, yeah. And uh, I like to feel like I'm always like casual Mm -hmm. in a weird way. (laughs) Yeah. And I don't know how to describe your style, but it's so perfectly you. If you had to describe your style, what would you even say? It's just so uniquely you. And I just love it so much. I wear a lot of baggy things. I feel like it's like a chic tomboy. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, for sure. But anyway, okay, let's go back to your question. So I feel like I got in this place where I love to help people and I love to always be there for people.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And... There was a small part of that that became people relying on that. Yeah. And it wasn't like my choice to do it anymore. It was these people in my life that I love so much were just relying on me to be that person for them. Like it felt like an obligation. Yeah. And, you know, for a long time, I loved that. And I still love that. But I, it started wearing on me a little bit. And I didn't know how to say no. Yeah. It's hard. It's so hard. And so I had like a little bit of a breakdown. Mm -hmm. Not a crazy one. I just, I think a lot of things happened at the same time. And I took a breath. And I was on vacation, you know, with my husband in Israel at the time. And I journaled for a day. I walked around by myself. And I was like, I'm no longer going to do anything that feels like a pure obligation and that someone's expecting me to do it. If it doesn't align with like what my soul is telling me. Oh, that's so hard to do. It is so hard to do. But I feel like it's so powerful once you make that decision. And I've been working on it for such a long time with my Mm -hmm. therapist. Like I'm also a huge, huge, huge fan of therapy. I also believe that you have to have the same therapist for like at least six months to get any work done. Oh, yeah. Like it is. It takes time. It takes time. And he knew that I was working on it forever. And then all of a sudden… I hit rock bottom with it. And the next thing you knew, it was so easy to say no. And then it became intoxicating (laughs) to say no, to say no. And now, you know, I'm not a brat. I'm not saying no to things that I shouldn't be saying no to. Yeah. But it feels like I'm reestablishing my sense of self and what I offer to people. And the narrative isn't that I'm here for all the taking. Yeah. I feel like setting boundaries is so, so important. So important and very hard. It's so hard, especially I think just as women in general, we tend to be people pleasers. And especially in your line of work. And it's not surprising that like that's who I am outside of work too. Like Mm -hmm. obviously that makes sense. But now I have a passion and a career that I get to use all those skills Right. You know, like I can put all the focus and all my skill set when it comes to supporting people. I can channel that through clients and my work mm-hmm. and maybe it's not as sustainable to do that for everybody else outside of my of my work, you know yeah, for sure, there needs to be a separation because I don't know if you would use the word draining, but you're yes. taking on the energy of all of your clients. And I'm sure that it does get a little bit taxing. So it's like people who aren't your clients, I'm sure are still seeking out your advice and your help and all of the support. And I'm sure you're just like a little bit, not burnt out, but it's like, okay, I need to say no when I need to say, yeah. And so when, you know, going back to your question Mm -hmm. about the Mm non-negotiables, now I feel like I have this little bit of a filter and maybe that filter won't be there forever, but right now I do, is like, what is my soul telling me to do? And if it doesn't feel like it's aligning with what I need in that moment or what yeah. I can offer in that moment, it's a no-go. That's such great advice, I think, for anybody. Because I always say, like, if you're pouring from an empty cup, then the results aren't going to be good. So Exactly. Yeah. I love that. What's yours? My non-negotiable? Yeah it's not as like deep and profound as yours (laughs) at all. But right now it's definitely walking. I have to walk every single day. It's literally my form of meditation or I guess just moving my body in general. It doesn't have to necessarily be walking, but I'm the type of person who I'm always in my head. Mm. So I think getting into my physical body takes me out of that. And it's just like the narrative inside my head shuts off and I'm able to be 1000% present in the moment. And that's what I love so much. And I'm trying to, you know, incorporate that presence into every other part of my life, but it's hard to do. But also, it's so nice that you found something that you can get those feelings from too. Yeah. And you know what's working. For sure. And so like, no matter what, every single day I have to move my body, whether it's walking or doing a hard workout, but it's like, I just noticed such a huge difference from the days that I don't move my body. It seems like I'm a completely different person. <laughs> it makes sense. Yeah. So that's definitely my non-negotiable for sure. So talking about fitness, yeah. to touch on the F of MILF body. What the F? Um, what the F? Tell us about your fitness routines. It's very strange. And to be completely candid thankfully, I've never really struggled with any body image issues or I haven't really cared that much for some reason. Mm -hmm. This year feels Hmm. different and I can't figure it out. Interesting. Maybe it's getting older. I don't know. Maybe. But through this year, while I've been experiencing like moments where I've caught myself looking in the mirror and been like, maybe a little nasty to myself when I don't need to be. Yeah. I've kind of channeled that into my fitness a little bit of like, what can I do to make myself feel good and completely ignore the mirror? And that always looks different. So like when I go on vacation, like maybe I'll do a run here or there, but like if I'm going on vacation, I'm not going to work out. Yeah. I'm the same way. What that looks like this summer. <laughs> But it granted, I tra- traveled so much. This you summer. really did. You were everywhere. But you guys were walking and biking and like, yes, that's the thing. It's different on vacation. It is. It is different. But at the same time, how I felt going on vacation didn't feel nearly as good at the end. And to preface, like I was gone for, I think, two months mm-hmm. and two months not in your own home mm-hmm. and not with. That 9: 30 p.m. bedtime routine, yeah that can get to you. Yeah, <laughs> so it kind of threw everything off, and I, I would say right now, my fitness is just a slightly more intense than I intend it to be, only because I feel like I lost a lot of strength. Yeah, so this might sound crazy, but I do Pilates, mm-hmm. you know, like four times a week.: Yeah, Shout out Alana. Shout out Alana. Pilates, Pilates. <laughs> <laughs> and I do berries about three times a week. On top of Pilates? Yep, yep, yep. You are so hardcore. Also, can you tell people about your background? I was an athlete. Yes. I was. So I was a college hockey player. Yes. And, you know, I grew up exerting my body a lot. Mm-hmm. I've also been a little bit more on the muscular side. I definitely have like, you know, more athletic build. Mm-hmm. So Pilates is fantastic because people are kicking the shit out of my body 24 7 for a very long time in my life. I am, yeah. there are joints that are just like not the same inside my body. So hockey is so hardcore and you're so good and it's, it's just like it beats you up, you know? Yeah, I can't imagine. Like even sitting here, I'm like, God, these are little aches and pains and those will yeah. never go away. But Pilates is amazing because mm-hmm. your body is stable. Yes. And you can do those little movements. And the first day I did Pilates was the first time I did a class since being an athlete in college that didn't hurt my body. That is wild. I've been doing Pilates for now like two years. Mm -hmm. And now, because Alana has helped like rebuild the strength around these different parts and, and gave me new muscles that I've never had. Yeah. Now I can do other classes like berries and it doesn't hurt as bad. Oh, that's amazing. Yes. And then I have my walks. Yep. I walk, you know, about four miles a day with Steve. And I'm a big rower. Oh, I wait, row a you, lot. Oh, you have a rowing machine at your house? Yeah. So oh, I, yeah, because you guys have a little gym. Yeah. And I just shut the door. And sometimes I'll put a movie on or a documentary. Cool. And I turn off the lights. And I put on my, my headphones and I connect them to the TV. And I can just, like, zone out. Ooh, that sounds fun, actually. It is so fun. Okay. So, yeah, you've run... One marathon, right? Or- One marathon and like yeah. three halves. How was that? Wow, you're making me sound so athletic. I mean, you are. You're <laughs> you're like a pro hockey player, dude. You literally are. I am not a pro hockey player, but I'll take it. You, I mean, <laughs> from the video that I saw of you playing hockey with your nephew in the backyard or I don't know. I was so impressed. I li- <laughs> I saved the video and I would like go down the street and be like, You guys, look <laughs> at my Stop it. and pull up the video. Ridiculous. It's very impressive how good you are on the ice. Well, thank you. So you ran a marathon. What was that like? It was great. Fortunately, you know, I had the privilege of working with Nike and uh, I don't even know how it happened. I basically got an email one day that was from Nike. Yeah. And they're like, hey, we're choosing 30 girls to help train to run the Chicago Marathon. Oh, my gosh. And it was just like, are you in? And I was like, Sure. (laughs) <laughs> and I had, I know it was wild. <laughs> what? It's exactly how it happened. Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> just <laughs> <like> nonchalantly. <laughs> right? Okay. And I was like, huh? I was like, I, I guess. And I just yeah. wrote back. And it was like, you need to tell us by tomorrow if you're in. And I was like, okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, when Nike calls, you just say yes. Yeah. I was like, sure. Yeah. So I said yes. It was really fun. So they picked 30 women who had never run a marathon before and trained them as if they were professional athletes. Oh, that's so cool. So we had like, you know, the top running instructors and a crazy schedule. It was nutrition. It was recovery. And Mm. it was the entire thing all supported by Nike and basically just show up and do what they tell you to. How long was the training before the marathon? Don't really remember. I think it might have been like three months. Yeah, that makes that sound sense, right.: Yeah. and it was great. I bet. And some of the women that I met through doing that was just incredible. And wait, so when you worked with Nike, didn't you shoot a campaign with them or something, or was that tied into the marathon training? I think it was a little bit of both. They may have emailed me because I was in their system as a model before that. Okay, yeah. And then I did a couple campaigns with them after as well. That's so cool. But the Nike family in Los Angeles, they're just like all great people. Yeah, that's what I've heard. So mentally, though, like what was it like running a marathon? I'll tell you my biggest downfall as an athlete. What's that? I think that I am naturally gifted in strength and ability to do things. And I just can pick things up really quickly. My, like, drive, determination, and goal setting is not top-notch. And, uh, I mean, I've spoken about this with my husband. Because my husband is literally, like, the hardest working person I've ever met in my life. Yeah. And we always talk about how that's so interesting. And, like, maybe I'm not intensely goal-oriented. Because for so long in my life, athletics and sports were, like, what I set goals against. Right. And a lot of that came naturally. Yeah. That makes sense. So, like, if you were to see me, like, you know, in my college hockey days or high school hockey days, like, I was definitely not the best by any means, but I always made the team. I was always on varsity as a freshman. I was just, like, constantly a great athlete. Yeah. But, like, the end of the day, I was like, this is fun. (laughs) It's very strange. I cannot relate in any way. because. The exact opposite. I have to try so fucking hard at everything. My brother is very similar to you in the fact that he's just like everything comes naturally to him and he was yeah. the star athlete. And so I cannot relate, but that's amazing. Sometimes I wish that like I focused in on one thing because I yeah. think that I could be great at something. But I think also just my personality is just a little bit more like laid back, a little more laid back. Yeah. I'm just like, yeah, this is fun to do and it feels good to do. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how it went with the marathon. Like, hmm. uh, there were days, again, where I was competitive. Yeah. And, you know, there were runs that when we were running with 30 women, there'd be days where I'm like, oh, I'm going to run towards the end of the pack or I'm going to run in the middle. And a lot of times you'd find, like, other women that were running at your same pace. Mm-hmm. But then, like, occasionally there'd be days I'm like, I'm going to be at the front. And I would, like, try really hard. But, like, I don't know. Maybe I just got a good night's sleep or something. I don't know what that came from. And then when it came to the marathon, I had a goal. I think my goal was under four hours. Okay. That was, you know, what I started with. But um, day of, I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to run this thing. (laughs) And I didn't really, like, check my pacing. I was just like, "Mm, do what feels good. Yeah. And uh, I think I finished it in, like, 4.07. That's impressive, right? I mean, I don't—I honestly like, don't, know, I don't know. But it's like my athletic, like competitive side, there, mm-hmm. in my mind, I'm like, if I had training from the best people in the world, <laughs> how did I get such an average score? Is that an average score? It's for- not average, but it's like if you train and you work hard, yeah, you should be able to do it in four. But you were like four oh seven, right? Yeah, but still. <laughs> So, I think the moral of the story is I have very high expectations for myself, but I do not work very hard. (laughs) Now, that that is not there. (laughs) That I can kind of relate to. (laughs) I'm like, wait, why am I not instantly successful at this? Oh, yeah, I have not even tried at all. (laughs) So (laughs) That's a curse in itself, too, because when I start things, this is going to sound so arrogant, but, like, I'm naturally good at a lot of things. Mm-hmm. If I do anything <laughs> that I'm mediocre at or mm-hmm. bad, never touching it again. Yeah. Never. Yeah. Volleyball, get it out of here. <laughs> really? <laughs> yes. Oh. Huh. Yeah, I picture so you bad. being good at volleyball for some reason. Nope. I'm bad with like… Yeah, I'm bad at volleyball I'm too, bad actually. with balls. Okay. <laughs> 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 okay, we'll work on that. We'll work on that. <laughs> okay, so… If people want to work with you as a doula, like what can they expect when they book with you? Every time I consult with anybody, I think this is like my number one thing that I just want to put out there for everybody to know. Specifically for LA, fortunately, there are many doulas. And there Mm -hmm. are a lot of doulas who know like, you know, a lot of the same information in different ways. And I firmly, firmly believe that feeling safe and feeling heard is a huge marker that can increase more successful birth stories or more positive birth outcomes. For sure. And feeling heard sometimes is a, I hate to use the word vibe, but like sometimes it's a vibe, Yeah, you know? And sometimes it's walking into the room, locking eyes with that person and being like, I hear them, they understand me, Mm -hmm. and we can do this without even talking a ton. That's honestly how I felt with you instantly. Same. Same. So I just like to say that because sometimes I get on the phone with people and everybody's lovely, right? But like, how do I know that I'm the best doula for them Mm -hmm. if they haven't talked to other people? Right. And like almost compare the feelings. Yeah. You know, ask them questions. Ask them, but like listen to them in their voice. And if they're hearing you and if they're listening to you and if there's that communication Outside of just the words that are being spoken, and go with that person. And I tell every single person that I have a consultation with, if I'm the only person you're talking to, talk to three more. Yeah, I love that. You have to because fortunately we live in LA, and there's a ton. Mm -hmm. So take advantage of like finding somebody that is making you feel extremely comfortable. It's all about the feeling. It's all about the feeling and feeling safe. So true and feeling heard. So you know, I have consultations with people when they call, and then. I work back from their due date and I do three sessions, you know, and sometimes it varies whether it's a first time mom or a second time mom True, yeah. or how their first birth went and what they want to do differently or if they want to do the same or, you know, it's all different. It's all yeah. based on what their needs are. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, let's say we're talking about a first time mom. The first meeting will be, you know, a childbirth education session and, mm-hmm. You know, a lot of visual representation of what's happening to the female body during physiological childbirth. Mm -hmm. It's more of a conversation kind of between me and the couple. And I always make sure that both partners are present because not only are we learning and talking about physiological childbirth, that's also our first meeting where, like, let's break the ice. Yeah. Let's get to know each other, Mm -hmm. pick up on each other's quirkiness so that we can kind of build this relationship together. And it's fun. You know, sometimes there are, partners who might be a little, like, nervous. And sometimes there's, you know, people who have two pages of questions that they're wanting to ask. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, we're going to relax. We're going to talk about this. (laughs) I'm going to answer all the questions. But also, we're just going to get to know each other. We're going to talk about what's happening. And it's like a very free-flowing conversation for session one. Mm -hmm. The second session, we'll dig into all about the birth plan. Mm -hmm. And it's a little bit of a different conversation dependent on where they give birth. Right. We'll go through all of the options that they have in each of those environments. I'll send them an outline before, and I will say, highlight the things that you want more information on. Underline the things that you're unsure about. And circle the things that you're extremely, extremely like, yes, I need this. Okay. And then when we have that conversation later on, usually a week later... I have the opportunity, you know, like say they highlight, you know, erythromycin in the eyes, right? At least I can come in prepared and give them all the data that's out there on erythromycin in the eyes, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, a standard of care in in LA hospitals, American hospitals for babies when they're just born. So it's, if they have a question about that, and then I just give them, you know, that unbiased information to help them figure out what they should do. Right. So you're just guiding them. Just guiding them. Mm -hmm. And then the last session I make, you know, primarily for, yes, it's all about, you know, the mom, but really it's also for the partner yeah, and the dads. This is like their shining moment, right? Mm-hmm. And it's all about comfort measures. So yeah. I go through all of the physical comfort measures with both of them. Obviously, we can use the mom and usually this meeting happens closer to labor anyway. So mm-hmm. like a lot of these things feel good for the mom in that moment. And then it's teaching the partner, the dad, how to support physically yeah. their partner. And not only does it feel good for mom in the moment, but dad now has this like, you know, a bit of confidence going into the birth, knowing how he can support her physically. Yeah. It's so important. I think that's my favorite session. Really? For sure. I mean, they're all, I'm, I yeah. could do this work every single day for the rest of my life and yeah. be like ridiculously fulfilled and never bored. But they're all fun in their own ways, and the last one's fun because I definitely put an emphasis on it being extremely important for the dad or the partner, and uh, it's fun to watch them step into that role. Yeah, and okay, I got it. Am I doing it right? Oh, but it's so cute. It's so cute, and I just <laughs> like I encourage them to be very open and honest with each other, and I also encourage them, you know, as we're in this last meeting, kind of like carry this flow of oxytocin through up until you go into labor. Let's continue this communication. Let's Mm -hmm. let it all out, but also let's physically support each other. And if we're doing something that doesn't feel good or could feel better,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: don't hold back from expressing those things. And it's just, it's a very warm and happy meeting. And also a lot of tears happen in that one, oddly. Oh, I'm sure. A lot. So... And so I, I, if I had to pick, those are probably my favorite. And then I'm there, you know, for the entirety of the childbirth and for labor. I mean, you know, yeah. you, you call me, I show up, <laughs> and I don't leave. So. Yep. And um, Thank God. Yes. Couldn't do without you. Ugh, you could have, but uh, yeah, I was happy to be there. Yeah. You. Anyway, so then, you know, I'll meet with mom, baby, mm-hmm. dad, either two or three times after birth. Yeah. Mm-hmm go through everything and hug and cry and (sighs) love on each other. And then it's a very emotional and loving. And it's crazy that I just feel like all of my clients are incredible people, but like you create a bond. That's just, you know, yeah, I got many sisters in LA. It's literally like they become your family. Yes, it is. It's so beautiful. It's so fun. So I want to wrap up the episode. I ask each guest at the end of every episode, if you could go back to your younger self Mm. and give yourself advice, what would you say to your younger self? I would probably encourage little Rebecca to Mm -hmm. use her voice more. I felt like as a little girl and maybe like, you know, culturally in general, When I was a younger girl, it wasn't encouraged or didn't feel good to speak up a lot. Yeah. And when I look back, I feel like there are so many times that I wanted to say something Mm -hmm. and I didn't. And I felt like that was a big learning curve for me later in my life. And who knows what else I could have learned as a kid and how much more comfortable I could have been. Yeah. Had I used my voice a little bit more. Hmm. Interesting. It's weird to hear you say that because I feel like knowing you now, it's hard to picture that. Right? I was very silent as a kid. Hmm. And I think, honestly, because I didn't speak that much when I was younger, I think I really had to like practice on being really open. Yeah. Later in life. And uh, it goes in, in line with, like, being an introvert. And, like, I was, like, was pretty shy, oddly. Hmm. And uh, now it feels so liberating to, to just not be shy. Yeah. And to say what I want to say. And I kind of wish that… That you had done it sooner. Little me had those feelings, too. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Interesting. Yeah. Hindsight is twenty twenty. I always think about the butterfly effect and, like… Oh yeah, how just the slightest little change, right? Could change the entire outcome of our lives. Have you seen Sliding Doors? No, what's that? Oh, great film. Oh, you should watch it tonight. Okay. I don't know how to explain it, but basically it's that concept. Okay. It's so good. But anyway, I love you so much. I love you too. Wow. Thank you so much for coming on. Can you tell everyone where to find you in case they're interested in booking you as their doula or if they just want to reach out or anything. Of course. You can find me on Instagram at at Rebecca R. Richter. It's a lot of R's in there. (laughs) That is a lot of R's. Um, I will also say that I'm so passionate about this work that I will have a conversation with anybody. If anybody has questions, you know, whether it's to hire a doula or Maybe you're in Maine and you're confused on an option you have. I am here and I will answer every DM. You can tell. It literally like seeps out of you. You love it so much. I do love it so much. And also, even if, you know, if you want to have a consultation, if you want to have a conversation about possibly working together, you can, you know, honestly just DM me. Yeah. And, you know, we'll link up. Love that. Well… Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. We could sit here and talk for hours, honestly. I honestly but <laughs> I feel like we're going to walk outside and it's going to be, like, the next, the next morning. Next <laughs> oh, my God. Who was I talking to? It's, like, going to a fucking strip club in Miami yes, at like 11 right? and walking out. And it's, like, morning. Right? <laughs> but no. You know what I used to do when I went there? What? If I was, like, checking out of my hotel… I would take my luggage Mm -hmm. and I would put it at the hotel across the street. And I would tell the bellman that I was staying there even though I wasn't. That's such a good life hack. And then I would go to 11 and then I would go to the airport and I would just pick up my bags from across the street at like a rinky dink hotel. (laughs) That's so smart. Wow. I love that. Okay. So anyone who's going to Miami, (laughs) take note. That's amazing. That's fantastic. But anyway, Uh, thank you, Cherokee, so much. Such an honor to be here. And it's like so easy always to talk about anything related to birth, but also anything with you. I agree. From the moment that we met. Of course. I describe you on my first solo episode as just like, you're the type of person who you meet and you instantly feel like you've known you for years. Like you've known, like, I feel like I've known you my entire life. And that was within the first five minutes of even talking to you. So that is a very, very nice thing to hear. So yeah, thank you. She's a special soul, you guys. And I feel very honored. So thank you so much for coming on. I love you. I love you too. I love you so much. The <laughs> <laughs> end. I don't know what to say. Drop the mic, bitches. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you all for listening to the show. I hope you gained some insight on how to practice becoming more mindful, learn the importance of listening to your intuition, gained some lifestyle takeaways and fitness tips. You can find me on Instagram at Cherokee CherokeeLuker and the podcast at Pod. So make sure you follow me to access exclusive content to help you become a better you, a better mother, and a better human. Talk to you guys next week about all things MILF.